You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. Hi, fam. Uh, Today's teaching text comes from Jeremiah 17, verses 7 to 10. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Such a pleasure to be here with you all. Um, Man, that worship, I'm just like still riding the wave. Uh, um, All right. So uh, if you haven't been here, we are in the second of three weeks of a series called Rooted Community. Uh, I am embarking upon giving you a vision for uh, what's gonna be at the heart of this community, namely a set of people who are committed to the health, good function, and the flourishing of this body. Now, last week we talked about the what, that's what, that's what we're doing. And this week I wanna talk to you about the why, and next week we're gonna talk about the how. Now, when we talk about the why, why do we need such a a, a centered set? Why do we need uh, some identified group maybe feel exclusionary because it is? Well, and then maybe if you've been in churches like this, my particular experience has been that typically those people just kind of serve to find out information two weeks early. So like other than that, there's not really a point. And so it's like, what are we doing here? But I have to believe that there's something, and I, am, I do believe and am convicted that there is something much richer and deeper happening when we have a set of people who are grounded in a community that are serving as the root system for that tree. And so we're gonna embark on the why, but where I wanna pick up is actually where we left off last uh, Sunday. Uh, and not in the teaching, but afterwards, uh, there was a word, um, there was a word given, naming that for some, as we talked about these, these trees planted by the river, these, these river of life, uh, this, this sending out its root towards its stream, that for some of us, we carry a suspicion, uh, a well-earned and genuinely held suspicion that this water may not be good for drinking, that we have been in particularly communities such as these, and we've listened to people such as myself give inspiring messages such as the one I'm trying to give, and we gave ourselves to it, and then we found ourselves deeply wounded and hurt. I've sat across enough tables with you to know that I am not alone in that assessment. And where that can lead you is with a deep distrust, one, in in God's people, in 
church, whatever that means, this institution, this thing we do on Sundays, and maybe even a deep distrust of God himself. Now, if you feel that thing, you know that you are not alone and this is nothing novel. Actually, there's even a term for it, dark night of the soul. This comes from Christian mysticism. Uh, in the 16th century, uh, St. John of the Cross wrote a poem called Dark Night or uh, Noche Obscura, where he talks about this journey into God and wrestling. And so that term, dark night of the soul, has been used across ages to refer to this place, this season of life where we enter a loss of meaning, where we find ourselves, the ground that we stand on kind of ripped out from us. It's, a, it's akin to depression, but it's not just affects the mind, but it affects literally our souls. Where the thing that we had placed ourselves on, the, 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 the God that we thought uh, we trusted and knew the, the, the kind of cosmological orientation of the world and the ontological, the way we are and be in it, is disrupted. That could happen through a series of events. That could happen through all sorts and manners of trauma. But we can find ourselves not recognizing the world that we live in and the people that we thought we could be and are. And that leaves us with a deep, deep, unsettling disposition. And this is the dark night of the soul. For me, uh, it was born out of a misconception. See, I grew up uh, listening to the stories of George Mueller. If you don't know George Mueller, he was this English pastor and uh, led this orphanage uh, in like the 18th century. And the stories of George Mueller, his autobiography is such that, that George Mueller uh, decided in his heart that he would never ask a man for anything. He would only pray to God. And so he's running this orphanage, and when you read his autobiography, you hear all these stories of how, like, there was no food for the children, and dinner time was approaching. And George would tell the, the workers, sit all the kids down, put out all the, the placemats, and then he would go and pray. And then he tells us one story of one night like this, that right when dinner is a, the dinner bell is about to strike, there's a knock at the door. And there's this banquet company that says, hey, we had this event, it got canceled, we have this entire spread of luxurious foods, and we figured we'd just bring it here. And George is like, great, I've been waiting on you, bring it on. And so for me, growing up on these stories, what I came to believe is that I served a God that may let me get a little hungry, but ultimately before things got dire, there would be a ring at the door. There was a God who would let me encounter pain, but wouldn't send me into suffering. So you can imagine, as I started to go into my first ministry job, and they couldn't afford to pay me, and I was working outside of that to support myself, happily, happily. And I'm giving so much of my time and attention to the Lord. And then what we, don't, we didn't know then, but we know now this recession was coming. I lost my job, and I ended up effectively homeless, sleeping on the couch of a worship leader living off of the $20, he could spot me here and there in Denver, Colorado with the snow on the ground and my boots were talking and I was cold and there were nights where I was hungry and the bell did not ring. And I, I can't tell you how that rocks me. Who is this God that I'd place all my trust in? And I'm not some infidel, I wasn't like, like living in rebellion to him. I was literally giving everything to him. 
And not only did he let me experience pain, but there was suffering. So I just couldn't reconcile it. Then I got in this relationship. I won't bore you with that whole saga. But I'll give you the broad, the, the broad strokes. Which is essentially, I had convinced myself that God had told me this was the one. This is it. Punching that ticket, baby. And then it was horrifically wasn't. And so then not only did I didn't believe that I could trust this God, I couldn't even believe myself trusting this God. And so everything I knew about the life in the world were turned upside down. And I entered this dark night of the soul. And the only religion I could muster was a very simple prayer. I don't discount your existence. I'd seen too much to believe that there wasn't a God. And I know that I need you to save me, but you will have to save me despite myself. I'm gonna fight you every step of the way. So if you want me, you better come and get me. Good luck. That was the limits of my faith. And then I proceeded to live in rebellion with my soul and with my body, and yet the Lord started working. What does this have to do with the rooted community? You can hear me talk about this beautiful picture of people rooted in Jesus and the type of community that we want to be. And you can think that I'm talking about assembling a group of people to 100% ensure that nothing bad ever happens in these four walls. That no one will ever experience discomfort, no one will ever experience unease, pain, or offense. That's the technical definition of safe, devoid of injury or risk. You're thinking that I'm saying, hey, we're gonna get a group of people, and if we all just buy into this thing, all pain and suffering will cease within these doors and all the people that call Oaks Church home. And I'm telling you, that's not what I'm telling you, because that's a lot. That doesn't exist. Some of you are bearing that in your body because you thought it could and found out that it doesn't. But what I am talking about is a group of people intentionally creating a culture that allows the spirit of a God who is making all things new, reconciling all things to himself, and transforming people into more whole and integrated version of themselves to freely move and work. That we are a people that are trusting that we are not right, but he is making us right slowly. But that there will be trouble here. In the words of Mr. Bieber to, to Lucy and Susan, will, will this place be safe? Heavens no, no. But it can and should be good. It can be good and it can be healthy. If we're gonna be a people, that's gonna require some risk to give and to receive. But what does healthy risk look like? How do a healthy people function? Well, I think this takes us to our teaching text. Again, it starts in Jeremiah, where he says, blessed are those whose trust is in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. These are people 
who have rooted themselves under the Lordship of Jesus. And they've sent their roots out to the stream of living waters. But let's pick up where we left off. In verse 8, it says that they, they send out in the roots by its streams. But what is, what is the aspect of these people? It says this, this tree, speaking of them, it does not fear when heat comes. We can't miss that. It does not fear when heat comes. John 16, 33, Jesus tells his disciples very plainly, in this world, there will be trouble. But fear not because I've overcome the world. Not because you're gonna keep everything kosher. The heat is inevitable, but if we're rooted, what could bother me? In middle school, uh, I went to school with the principal's son. And this guy, real big principal son in him. Just puffed up chest. I mean, the things he would like say to teachers, I was like, bruh. <laughs> but why did he have that sort of confidence? I mean, toxic, but confident. Because he knew where his daddy was. Like his dad is the principal. Who can harm me around here? And it's that kind of picture of these, of these rooted people that they go, hey, I'm rooted in Jesus. If he is for me, then what could be against me? Who could speak truer to my identity than Jesus? So say what you might about me, I'm rooted in him. The deeper the roots, the more resilient the tree. I uh, just recently was gifted the story uh, of uh, a person who belongs to uh, underground church uh, in a country where it's literally very dangerous to be a Christian. And um, the long and the short of it was that it was a family and, and they were able to kind of get a reprieve from, from that, that day in and day out, just kind of like suffering for their faith, right? And on their first reprieve out of that, out of that situation, um, a member of the family was tragically lost, unexpected. And the testimony that I got from people connected to it was that, that this family in the face of this loss, right? In the face of this unexpected loss of this family member exuded this, this resilience that was not devoid of pain. This wasn't like a, oh, I'm good, I'll see him later. Uh, but it was like, I am, I am hurting, but I am not weeping as one without hope. And it was confounding the level of resilience. But I have to imagine that when you spent your day in and day out under the fear of death because of your faith, that builds in you a type of resilience that death loses its stick. Your roots are pretty deep. And so you can withstand some pretty big blows. These blessed people, they don't fear when heat comes because they know where their help comes from. Jeremiah goes on. This is my favorite part. 
The Lord says it does not fear when heat comes. This tree, its leaves are always green. Its leaves are always green. We have to remember that we believe that the, that the scriptures, though written by man, were, inspiringly, uh, were inspired by the creator of the universe who intricately wove all the systems of this world together. And I think that's worth noting because what I'm about to say, we know from modern science and what we know about biology, right? But when we read that these trees, these leaves are always green, that leads me to a consideration of why the leaves of a tree are green. The reason the leaves of a tree are green is because they contain chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is a pigment that absorbs light, uh, but not every wavelength of light. It doesn't absorb green wavelength, and so it reflects green back, and that's why they look green. But chlorophyll takes in this light, and it's essential for this process that keeps the tree alive. So a tree needs to eat, and one of its main, its main source of food is glucose, right? It's the sugar. So what happens is that the light is absorbed by the chlorophyll, the water that the tree has absorbed through rain through sending out its roots combines with the carbon dioxide that the stomata breathes, so it breathes in carbon dioxide. And it takes that, and there's the heat, that chemical reaction that then synthesizes the light, the water, uh, and the carbon dioxide into two things, glucose and oxygen. The glucose is for the tree. It's the nutrients by which it lives. The oxygen it gives off, which is for you and I. And that's how we breathe and live on this world. Why do I find that so interesting? Because look at what the Lord is saying, that we don't fear when heat comes, but we are people, we are people who have the light, the light of God. And we then take our roots and we put them into the word of God, the living water. And then all the toxicity that we, that is around us, all the, all the carbon dioxide, we couldn't live in this world if it was just carbon dioxide, but we're steeped in the carbon dioxide. But we take in the toxicity of this world and that creates photosynthesis by which we become fed and the world can live. We put it another way. We see this in John 4. Jesus has been walking through the heat of the day. He is tired and he comes to a well and there's a woman who's there because she's an outcast. And he says to her, give me some water. And then he says to her, actually, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me because I have living water, right? And so he's in the heat of the sun. He's talking about living water. And then he takes this woman toxicity. When she says, give me this water, he says, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. That's right. Because culturally you've been around a bit. And you've been going from man to man to man until he assumes he takes in that toxic, that toxic way she's been living. And he shows her, I see you and I'm the son of God and I do not reject you. And that woman, she breathes in new life. Jesus gives her oxygen that sends her off running back to the very people that, that ostracized her. And she goes in with agency and she goes in with confidence. And then when the disciples come back and they say, Jesus, you must be hungry. You know what he tells them? I have food that you don't know about. 
I've made my own food in the heat of the sun with the living water, taking in someone's brokenness, watching it metabolize, sending them off in the newness of life, and now I'm no longer hungry. Photosynthesis. And he says, what is this food? This food is that I do the work of my father and finishes what he started. What this means for us is that these rooted people in this community will not be afraid to get dirty. You can come in any sort of way and we're going to meet you here. And because we are rooted in the living word of God, who gives us the nutrients that we need, and because we, we exist in the light of the sun, we can take you in and we can be that, that point of purification that allows you to breathe the life you've been desperately, desperately seeking. What a beautiful, beautiful thing for people who are trapped in the heat of the sun, who are trying to catch their breath in this crazy city. Gosh, that we would be a breath of fresh air. But the scriptures go on. Jeremiah says, what is also true of these blessed people, this tree, this tree has no worries in a year of drought. This tree has no worries in a year of drought. I told you earlier about my dark night of the soul. Uh, it was six years uh, before I could actually come back into the fullness of my faith. And I never actually came back. I didn't go back into that old faith. That was dead and gone. But I came into a new faith. I came to know Jesus in a way that was radically different and changed the way that I interact with people. And I think it's important to realize when we talk about troubles here, uh, we're not even just talking about the troubles that get wrapped up in a day. Some of us have been steeped in a year of drought. You have been in a season under the heat of the sun. And I'm sorry. Droughts can be caused by many things. the sun, the rotation of the earth, but also the misuse of man. But whether it's from God or man, it doesn't really matter if you're in a drought. It doesn't really matter. So I don't know why you're in this season of drought, but those who have placed their root in the Lord, they have no worries. It doesn't say they don't have any pain, but they have no worries. Because there's this belief in the long arc of justice. First Peter 5 and 10, it says, though you suffer for a little while in due time, 
He himself, the Lord himself is faithful to restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Peter's writing that to people who were losing their heads for this faith. Pretty permanent drought. But not only do they not have worries, Jeremiah says they never fail to bear fruit. But what is this fruit? Galatians 5, Paul tells them that those who are in the Lord have the fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against these, there is no law. You can't get enough of them. And they're what spontaneously produce when we abide in the Lord. He brings forth this fruit. It's the natural outflow of where we're planted. So if we're going through this season of drought, if we, if we remain in the Lord, what can happen is that we can find a, a, a fruit that's being born in and through us that helps us to be sustained. What's this look like though? Uh, you've watched the news. I almost have to stop watching the news. I, I honestly, um, I was in bed last Sunday and you know, my wife's like, did you see this Ralph Yarl thing? And I was like, no. Uh, and I was like writing and then I was like, oh my, she told me. and. Uh, it, that particularly really hit me amongst all the horrific things happened this week. That one particularly hit me because uh, I am the father of a little black boy who rocks a high top fade. And um, if, Lord willing, he will learn to listen uh, to me when I tell him not to touch hot things, he may make it to 14 years old. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but he's also innocent enough to knock on the wrong door. And so when I read it, there's not really a word for what I felt, but it was like a rage that like that would have not been the right moment to cross me. Like full on fury. And I just remember, I just, I, I just was like overwhelmed with it. Um, and in parts kind of all week, like just kind of like, it's just like words not suitable for this podcast. It's like this wave of carbon dioxide just threatening to suffocate me. And then I went to like Psalm 70 and just like, I just was like, Lord, like, where are you in this? And what started to happen was these two, these two fruits started being born. Um, P 
peace and self-control. The peace of God, uh, it's weird. These fruits, it wasn't that there was a, dis, a dispensation of my, my anger. Like even today, I'm still kind of pissed off about it, honestly. Uh, so it wasn't like I just like the, the sun came out and the birds started flying. Um, no, it was, it was this, it was this peace that like, like dammed up my anger so it didn't become a tsunami. It was like the spirit just kind of gave me uh, the boundaries of, of, my, of my turmoil. He kind of, like he said in Genesis 1, he kind of told the waters where it could go. And from that place of peace, I was able to kind of stop thinking about retribution and started thinking about revolution. Like I started, my mind started thinking bigger. Like it's just like, not what I just hopes happened to this person or people like him or whatever like that, but it really started making me think like, okay, God, how do I become the peace, your peace in this world? What part do I have to play? And then things started coming up, but these things that were coming up aren't things that I can do like tomorrow, right? The things that got us to where this country is now didn't happen overnight. They won't dissipate overnight. It's going to take a long, sustained effort. And that requires self-control. And so the self-control started burden, started blossoming in me to say, peace be still and be ready. I grew up scrapping and there's a moment when you're fighting, right? You gotta, you can't just swing wildly, but you gotta, you gotta get it ready. And when it presents itself, you strike. And it just felt like the Lord was just kind of like, the spirit was just like putting me in that stance. We're working on something. The time is not right now. You're gonna have to have some self-control because if you start swinging wildly, that looks heroic, but you're gonna end up on your butt. I had a friend who uh, got a, a, a migraine one day and it lasted for five years, decimated her life. Uh, she was a high achiever, educator, and before long, like just could not be as effective as she was in her career. Um, and man, we spent so many days in this year of drought begging to the Lord for healing, just putting hands on her oils, I mean, it smelled like a, I don't know, Bed Bath & Beyond in our house. Like, we were just like, we're going to pray this thing out. Like, we got all the essential oils. Uh, and, it just, and it just persisted, and it just persisted. And it was very hard for her because she was such a high achiever. Uh, and it, it fundamentally changed who she was, right? And at first, uh, and not in a great way, as, you know, all the doctors and all the things and trying all the things and, wrestling with the Lord. And then over time, the Lord started just like doing something in her heart and her relationship to like pain. And deeper than that, her relationship to performance, uh, her relationship to self-reliance. She's really good at a lot of things. 
until one point, like five years later, left the city and we're catching up on the phone. And, uh, and I'm like, how are the Myers going? And she goes, oh, you know, I've, they left like a year ago. And I was like, what do you mean they left like a year ago? How, are we, how do you not like take out an ad in the paper? How do you not call me? Like, are you serious? What do you mean? I'm like legitimately confounded. What was it? I don't know. They just went away. But what do you mean? And I just will never forget that conversation because what we found out as we talked about it, that the, the migraine stopped a year before but she had been healed way before that. Because the Lord had radically changed what she knew about life and her avoidance of pain. And pain had become her friend. And she had managed to move in life in confidence and saw how the Lord had given her as a resilience to do things, even despite having this migraine. And so that it just, it just when it left, it had already left, if that makes sense. This is the fruit of the Spirit that comes from those whose trust is in Him, who have placed their confidence in the Lord, who are planted by the rivers and sent out their roots towards the stream. They do not fear when heat comes. Their leaves are always green. They have no worries in a year of drought, and they never fail to bear fruit. But it's because the fruit isn't dependent upon them, it is dependent upon the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit in which they're rooted. Worship team can come up. Uh, I just wanna make one last note as we talk about this rooted community. Uh, and just to say that you could hear me and think that we're talking about some sort of geographical permanence that to be a part of this, this rooted community, this center set means that you have to agree that you're like never ever leaving this city uh, or even this community, even if you're staying in the city. And that's actually not what I'm talking about at all. What we're talking about with this rooted community are essentially people that are rooted in the spirit of the living God. And because they're rooted in the Lord and not Williamsburg or, or, you know, Brooklyn and the spirit of God, where can we go that we can escape your presence? Since he's omnipresent, he may place you geographically somewhere else. He may graft you in somewhere else and we'll have to say goodbye. And that would, that would be hard. But the other day I was in a coffee shop and they had this little, stand where people could drop off the roots of plants so that you could, you could take one and leave one. And you could take home a plant and, and, and grow something beautiful from it. Gemma always says that we give our best away. And so for those who will be in this rooted community, I think it's more about you just becoming to learn the way of Jesus together. And so if you go from this place, you will take us it with you. We'll still be family. We'll still be of the same thing. So for however long you're here, though, you're going to put down your roots into the spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
I'll leave you with this picture. Uh, my wife spent two years in missions in Italy and, uh, and then, uh, eight, ten years later, we, we came back as a married couple and we went to a church that was spun out of the work that she had done years before. It was a little small church. And, uh, and so it was cool to see the fruit of, of these things she had helped plant. But anyway, we're in this Italian church. It's Italian people. It's all in Italian because that's what they speak in Italy. Uh, and they're doing worship and they begin to sing, uh, uh, how great is our God. And it's in Italian. I don't speak Italian in case you didn't know. Uh, and yet I've never been in such a rich worship moment because I knew that song, even though I didn't know the words. And I could worship along with my brothers and my sisters. I mean, tears are just flowing down my face at the beauty of just hearing this song that I know being sung to this God who I know in words that are different from mine. Knowing that we were of the same stuff. We had both been rooted in the spirit of God. That is my hope and desire. I think that's the Lord's hope and desire for our community that those of us who seek to be intentional, to be this rooted community, we would be rooted in the spirit of the living God. And we will be a place where people can bring in all their brokenness and they can meet, they can meet the Lord. And we truly would be a breath of fresh air. So here's what I'd like us to do. Give a little practice to it. Cool? You can stand. In the second advance is going to like, you can even start playing now. Uh, on the screen, these are the fruit of the Spirit. I apologize, introverts. I know how this goes. I'm sorry. Bear with me. Just give it a try. Uh, we've done this before. I'd like to do it again. I would love for you to do this. Just find someone, maybe the person next to you. Maybe you're drawn to someone in particular, or each one find one. Let's make sure no one's left alone in this. I would love for you to just get their name. And then actually, I'm going to just have you look up here. And I want you to just take a moment. Don't rush it, but just take a moment. And I want you to pick one of these fruits of the Spirit. It may be the one that they were hoping you pray for. It may not be, but guess what? Against these, there is no law. So great, they'll still, it's win-win. Uh, and I would love you to just pray for them. I, if you've never done anything like this, I put a little sample prayer up here for you, like Holy Spirit, I pray for Anthony, that he would experience goodness this week through your kindness and presence with him. Would you just pray that over them? If you want to freestyle, go ahead. I mean, don't get too crazy. Are we up for that? Can we do that? So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to start expressing these fruit of the Spirit over one another, pouring a little water on each other. Let's just pray. And there will be people up here. So if that one-on-one -on -one thing kind of really freaks you out, you can just come up here, and there's like rugs, you can come and deal and wait it out. There will also be people up here to meet you in prayer. If you've got something that you've been carrying, if you've been in the drought and you're looking for just the oasis of the Lord, there will be people that would love to pray for you.
So we're going to hold this space for a bit. Jim is going to come and lead us to the table, and then we're going to continue on our worship. So, Lord Jesus, that we would be a rooted community. That we would produce fruit for the world. Lead us now by your Spirit to minister to one another. May we be surprised. May we find something in you we did not expect. Amen.